We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, Honda Classic, DraftKings Picks, Preview, Final Betting Card, plus a one-and-done discussion, the weather, and we're going to try to build some lineups here. Playing the best tournament on DraftKings, by the way, down in the description, Pat Mayo Experience, the Listener's League, around 400 spots remain of the 3,000, 5K to first place, no rake, $15 to play. It's the best tournament on DraftKings, so you might as well play in that. Additionally, you'll want to get some FantasyNational.com in your life. You want to build some lineups, do your research, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself that 20% off tambo is in studio with me per usual when john rom wins we all lose money it's unfortunate eh, not so not so much in we, the betting market in the betting market yes we get crushed our one and done though back on fire again we were right there max homa Ma- heartbreak homa down the stretch if max homa wins i win my bet on max homa and we were sitting ninth in the race for the mayo cup unfortunately he does not win so i don't win anything betting and we're now in 54th with our team we can get back there this week not bad picks though Back-to-back-to-back weeks. It's third for Denny, a first for Scheffler, and a second for Homa. That's the way you want to roll through these these elevated events when they're paying out so much money. Yeah, the best was the tweet. The guy's like, this sucks now that there's elevated events and designated events. It changes the strategy completely. Exactly. That's the whole point. So I I guess that's kind of the funny part is people are like hating on that now because they fell off the map. But first of all, it's so early in the season. There's like seven elevated events That's what I'm saying. That's the whole point, right? The gripe is people are saying that, oh, it sucks because now someone can just get lucky at those two events and they're at the top of the board. It's like, well, it's part of the strategy. You do got to get lucky in spots, obviously. But uh, I love it. I think it's great. And to the point of just watching it, the what I said at the start of the season, as expected and everyone did, but the designated events are incredible. It just makes it that much better. The best courses, the best players. I just love it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It was a good run for the PGA Tour the last two weeks or so. So I have three teams out of my four inside the top 750 in the one and done. And then I have one that's almost in last place. That's so good. I'm just wasting all my bad picks on that one team. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. As keep, long as the other ones that. can come through. If you're not first, you're last. Definitely. But ours is going pretty well. The one week I wasn't here, we it was the only week that I think it was that's a true. rough one. Yeah, I had so, Justin Thomas. Burn Justin Thomas. Shouldn't have done that now that I've rethought the strategy. Where, where were we saving him for? Nowhere, but like I burned him in a non-elevated event. I got you. Okay. So you probably want to save all your best guys for the elevated events, as yeah. it turns out. I, I have no clue what you want to do for this week because it is I have an idea. Out there. I okay. have an idea of what I want to do. 
Let's get to the bets, though. So yeah. here are the bets that I have in. I went overboard with betting this week. I've made some XFL <laughs> bets. Oh, God. And parlays? I, I did make some parlays as well. I was going to hit you up because, I mean, your show is sponsored by Prize Picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, code DOP, by the way, Dogger Pass Podcast, for both Tambo and Paul. If you want to get a match deposit of up to 100 bucks on your first one, you can hit the link down in the description. Highly recommend you do that and then pair it with runthesims.com uh, for all your XFL needs. Prize Picks still hasn't even posted XFL props yet. Yeah. Being a partner, I didn't want to completely just gutter them, but there was some insane lines up for golf on, that they got put up on Monday. It was like Sungjae versus SHK. I, I, I have that one. 0.0. So I, he just has to beat him in birdies. And I, I mean, it's not a guarantee. Anything can happen on this course. We're going to talk about it when we get into it. But the point being, I was like, this does not seem right. And they did pull them oh, and bring them back up. And then they pulled them again yesterday because I think it became a little bit more known. But just of note, that was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, just check it out on Monday. Take so, advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean, but even before your guys' show came out, I think that ended up coming out. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and uh, obviously I... I wasn't able to get in even your bet at 14 to 1. No. On uh on it's the gone. Lo- the range the goes. It's 5 to 1 now. Yeah. Should okay. it should have never been 33. That is for sure the sharpest of friends got on it. I did not get a chance to get in on it, but that's okay. I'll still cheer for them and You, for you the missed bet. it by like 6 minutes. I missed it all day. I, I don't know why my account is for some reason messed up over there, so I was trying to get it to get fixed and then I texted you and I don't know. I got to see some interesting bets that you had in the interim. So you got some nice, uh, nice parlays over there. Oh, it's just super fun. <laughs> S- super fun at that site. Uh, what's it? Yeah. Uh, where is it? Sung Jay versus SH Kim. Yeah. Round one birdies are better. I played that. I played Svensson over Cam Davis. Birdies are better. Harris English over Grayson Sig. Matt Kuchar over Davis Riley. You know, a four teamer. And then we're good to go. Ooh, got to be careful. Davis Riley got that new caddy. Ryan Palmer's old caddy on the bag now. Sure. He's going to get better all of a sudden, Pat. I hope so. I, I, <laughs> I, would, li- to I would like to see too. Davis Riley do a little bit better. Yeah. At least in my mind. So the final bets, here's what I got for the week. I got my guy. I said it on the Monday show that I was waiting for the Minwoo number to normalize a little bit. And it was well on the way to breaching 30. And then Norrin withdrew. <laughs> so then it completely stabilized. So I got Minwoo at 28 to 1 okay. this week. Billy Horschel at 30. I bet I don't like. I don't like Billy Horschel. But I just feel like that. For all the players in the field, I feel like that was the best number that was there. And I think he's dropped like 22 in most places now, like probably where he should be. But I got him at 30. That's what I'm rolling with. Vegas at 55, Aaron Rye at 60, and Svensson at 60. Did you bet Svensson this week? I did, 55. 55. Now, there's 28s on him at the moment. We would, you, would you bet Adam Svensson at 28 to 1? Going back, I wouldn't bet him at 55. How come? I, I just, I'm not liking him at all. I, I just think it's uh, you know, everything that I've looked at here. Trappy? It just feels like that way. I don't know. It's not always that way, but it just, you know, especially in DFS this week, it, I think there's a lot of better options. Well, we'll get to the DK strategy in a second. Yeah. But if anyone is owned, you like, I, I played a, well, one of the other, the two bombs that I have for Honda are Eric Cole at 175 with the top five each way, and then Brent Grant at 250 to one with the top five each way. This is a fun live betting event because guys can stage rallies even if they have a very poor uh, first day. Remember, me and you in Florida hit Sung Jay. After the first day. Yes. Even though we already had Sung Jay bets in. Yeah, yeah, that we was dub- a good week. Doubled down on it. Paid for our trip. It was great. Yeah, it was a very exciting time. The funniest part, Kenny was the most excited. Kenny Kim, of course, and he did not have that bet somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was the most excited of anyone. You would have thought he won a house. He, he had $0 on Sung Jay. Yeah, sometimes. Listen, it's just like the people who, like when people unit shame other people, like it's all what gets your gears going. If you need to bet $1,000 on someone to get it going, or you need to bet two fifty. Yeah. Or $2.50. And that, like, it gets your heart rate going. Who cares? 
Whatever you want to do, betting's betting. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. sometimes you have to do it just to keep with keep up with it to watch it. So you know that'd be me with XFL, and then I still didn't watch it. Others said it was great. I played all the lineups. I went to run the Sims. I bet it. I did everything, but I did not watch it. I just pa- Paul kept it almost rolling. crushed and Justin almost crushed the props market. Yeah, Josh Gordon one drive fucked everyone. Oh man, last yeah. drive of the game <laughs> after they got the onside conversion. Yeah, I, re- I read something about it. That, like, was he not out there for the last drive or something? He wasn't out there for like uh, one like critical play. I think it was the fourth and fifteen. He wasn't out there, and yeah. they put him back on the field and only threw to him down the field. Yeah. Okay. So I have a Sungjae and Lowry to miss the cut parlay at twenty-five to one, because it's PGA National. Anyone can miss the cut here. Doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. For twenty-five to one, like, what do you think? Because I was looking at the odds. Sungjae is six to one to miss the cut. He's also nine to one to win. What do you think is more like, obviously they're saying to miss the cut is more likely than him winning. But I would say that the odds of him missing the cut are substantially more than him just outright winning this event in in terms of pure probability. Yeah. Anything could happen. We saw it last year. He was, I don't know what his odds were last year, but he was 20% owned on DraftKings and missed the cut after. How could that happen? He was first that he won it. Sorry. And then, then he was eighth the year before and he was coming in and Bermuda and all this stuff. He's so good and missed the cut. So of course anything can happen. I've tried these bets. They don't seem to work out too well, but always fun to get these missed the cut parlays in. Uh, I have two live bets okay. for the week. Uh, it's at Mayakoba this week. Danny Lee, 100. Yes. Danny Lee, 100 okay. to one. <laughs> Absolutely. And Kevin Na, 80 to one. This is a Kevin Na course. He looks zoned out, man. You see that picture? Yeah, whatever. They put him up in the marketing. He's not feeling it, man. <laughs> no, I, I love that on. shit. But, um, but 80 and 100. Listen, Cam Smith's probably going to win, but I felt like those odds were... I mean, Brooks was 28 to 1. You know what I bet? Yeah, that's that's interesting, too. After we just chatted outside and you had your full swing recap, people can go check that out. But uh, Danny Lee, first round leader, 60, 60 to 1. It's 66 in some places. Okay, I, I got the 60. All right, I, you know what? I will play that as well. I think Danny that's Lee, a, 66 to a, a 1. Big, I, I like that when people are playing these long shots. I like to play the first one only because then like, oh, if he keeps this up, but I'll just take the money on day one and, and hope I get it that way. That, that's what the hope is, at least. The cheat sheet for this will be available in the newsletter, which I'll send out on sometime later this afternoon on Wednesday. I'll have all the hot links and everything like that in it. You can sub for free down in the description, or you can just search Mayo Media Substack, and you can find it on there and join the list. A few Euro bets after Tail and Tom and Sky. I got Manu Gondes. What number did you get? I only got him at 125. I saw other people get him at 250. I missed the 250, unfortunately. And I didn't even get to play that with placement, so it's just straight up. And I have a Gondi, Gondes and Eric Cole $10 $10 parlay for 175000 bucks. <laughs> Sky said if we win, we're going to the Magical Kenya Open next week. We'll see if they even pay you when that happens. <laughs> but yes, I did see that when you sent me that over. So Eric Cole, we'll talk about him later. Your boy, he's definitely coming on. So so Gondis at 125 and then Kartik Sharma at 400 to 1 with five placements. Okay. So in each way of five. So it, Sky sold me on that he's actually the good Sharma. There's like four Sharmas in the field. So this one is Kartik Sharma, okay. who Sky has recommended. So just blindly tailing to absolute long shots on this. Sky hits those. Sky gets these guys into contention, if nothing else. So yeah. man, and we listen. get it with the places, so it's always worth it. First round leader in Europe. This is the stupidest course in the world, by the way. It's, I think it's the one that has windmills on it. <laughs> like giant pop bunkers in India. I have Mav Ant Cliff. SSP Chwarasia, who I've hit as a winner at this course before, 2017. Did you bet him outright? 
to win this week? Yeah. No, I bet him his first round. Oh, I got him outright for 140. Okay, so I have Antcliff and SSP and Soren Kelson all at 90 to 1, and then Kartik Sharma at 175 to 1, all with five placements as first round leader. For the one and done, I went with Cooch, Jeff went with Denny, and Cust went with Adrian Moronk. Ooh. My guy. Your guy from Fucking last over week. Moronk. By the way, your 6K guy is continuing to come through. Uh, Cole, Barnes, Moronk was 6,900 last week. I know he went up to 8,300. And Tway? Tway? Yeah, we, we both liked Tway last week. I just mean the guys that I argue with you on that you think are good, and then they actually come through. You've been crushing with those. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, see how we it do, is. see how we do this week. I know who it is this week. We'll get there later. But, yeah, I don't, you're either going to win all the money this week or absolutely $0 nothing. True. With that card that you have right now. Yeah, it'd be nice. Man, listen, just Eric, just simply, if Eric Cole and Gondis can both win, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. For a long time, but I think it's more likely going to come down to, like, please, Billy Horschel, make this four-footer to make the cut, and then I'll just need him over the weekend. That's really what it's sounding like it's going to come down to. I think of all those guys, I've really talked myself into Aaron Rye, just based on his course profile, where he's played well in the past, and the fact that he just hits every fairway is just such an advantage here. Do you want to know something about Aaron Rye? Scottish Open winner. I, you, I, I you know. Wanna, you want to who else is a Scottish Open Min-Woo winner? Min Woo Lee. Ooh, there you go. So pop those two together in a lineup. You get all the chalk and the fun of seeing which one of them crushes you to miss the cut. But I do agree, and I bet Rye with you. At 60, I did not bet Min Woo, but uh, Min Woo has become Max Woo because he is now like Max owned compared to what it was looking like on, on Monday. I'm getting all the texts and the DMs. You're like, what is this loser priced at this for? Why is he going to be this? He's the worst player in the field. Have you seen his numbers? All this. I'm like, have you seen his numbers? Let's go back and reset this. You get his majors in there. You get his recent results in tournaments that included guys like Rory, Rom, Xander, JT, those guys. He was like T12 and something like that. And then he's coming second at tournaments other guys are at. So I don't know. He's he's become very popular this week and the Norn withdraw did not help for DFS. That's the whole thing. It looked like he was going to be suppressed for a while. And yeah. then his number did fall in the betting market as mm-hmm. expected, just a little bit. But you know, I, in terms of pure upside, like when you're priced around guys like Kucher and Denny, and, I mean, maybe Pendrith and Dietrich are a little bit better. Maybe Aaron Wise, like if you talk about, like, overall upside. We've just seen Minwoo do it. He's won five times around the world. They're mainly on shorter coastal courses that could be wind-affected. I don't just... Yeah, I got no problem with it. I like your number. You got it before the... I think you got it right as Norm withdrew or was I, going you know, to. He's like, now I, I'm hitting this. I saw Norm withdraw, and I immediately went and bet. Yeah, you I know was, it's I not was, getting any better at yeah, that point. At so that yeah. point, it stalls or it gets worse from that point. Weather-wise, uh, you took a look at it. I took a look at him. Looking at it right now, there seems to be no advantage. I mean, that can always change. It, the wind can influence this course a lot, as we've seen in the past, but it just seems pretty steady throughout the course of the day, like nothing more in the morning than it is in the afternoon. Temperatures seem pretty good. Yeah. Very little rain. Maybe we'll get a Shane Lowry situation where it finally starts to rain and only when he's on the course and it fucks him, but <laughs> that who was knows? Brutal last year. That, that was brutal, and then Watching full swing, we're not going into that, but just talk about I forgot how bad Thigala's uh, bounce was on 17. At waste management? At waste management. I was like, he really didn't do that much wrong there. But that just reminded me of like Lowry here and why Lowry was so pissed was he's like, man, I did, I did everything right. <laughs> and he was trending and it was like time to get the W. And then what did the driver go? Like 225 off the tee, I think on the, on the last hole. It did not get out there like he needed it to because the wind just completely ate it up and he had to play with like the umbrella and just blowing away in the wind. And next thing you know, Sepp Straka just steps up and gets the job done. So In that the gala situation, because we always come here and watch Waste Management before the Super Bowl, Cuss is like, I don't think the gala can lose. Yeah. And then you see what happens to him. Bad. Well, our other friend who always bets against Cuss just instantly live bets Scotty Scheffler. So <laughs> good, that worked out well for him. Yeah. One and dones for the week. All right, 
Here we go. I don't think it ma- It matters if you win in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And obviously, listen, get as much money as possible, no matter what tournament it is. But you could take, like, if you miss your picks this week, I don't think it's overly detrimental. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I mean, like you said at the top, and even those people that are complaining that I was making fun of, where you have all these designated events. We got two more coming right up API and yeah, players next two back weeks. to back. Like, we were just, and then we, have, in we also have match play in the and Masters. Then, and then, the then we've got all too. those coming up. Exactly. <laughs> of course. So there, you're not out of it in any, by any means. I think, like you said, just look for a floor ceiling combo that you can get a made cut, someone who could go on to win it. Obviously, you still want to put that in there, but there's no one here that I'm like, Ooh, I really have to save this guy. I don't see anybody of that. Yeah, like you could probably save Sungjae or Lowry for other events if you wanted to. They're, yeah, I mean, so I think Lowry's going to be super popular here because he should, he should be super. Yeah, popular. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what what else? That's my point. Though. Like, what else are you saving him for? So that would be where that comes in. I prefer not to use him because again, yeah, well, it's we'll not that to... I'm not. I, I need to save him. I just I don't think I want to use him as the most popular guy at a course with the most carnage with all these things that can happen. I, I just see, I'd rather take a shot on like Billy Horschel or Kucher or that Denny the, McCarthy or someone like that. Like so I, we, we don't have Denny. We used him at Pebble okay. and he came third for us. So that's good. Yes, that's I was right. thinking Kirk or Kucher. Yeah. Like either of those. Aaron um, Rye. I don't, I don't want to play the Rye card either. I don't Ve- think so. Vegas. I like Vegas a lot this week. Oh. I mean, so does the world. So he'll probably be pretty popular. The only other one I was really considering and a lot of it harkens back to I don't see him here now. Where the hell did he go? Brandon Harkins? No, there no not Brandon. Is he Brandon <laughs> Harkins in the field? No, I don't think so. I just when you said that. <laughs> Is someone that we liked earlier in the year and then played really shitty at the two elevated events, probably because he's not that good. But no one's using him on DraftKings either. JT Poston's been playing pretty well this year. He didn't play well at Riv or Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. What what does that tell us? Yeah, I'm I mean, I I'll tell you what I like. I like the I like Kirk, Kucher, Horschel, and I'd be okay with Poston. So any of those four are who I feel like are sort of that mid-tier of what I'm saying. They're not like overly popular. They definitely could come through. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them won, even though it sounds crazy to say about a guy like Poston when he hasn't done anything lately. He can win. He's won on the tour. He won the Wyndham bogey-free. Like he could just show up for a week and do it. He can make his putts. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm leading the Poston way. Just go different. Let's do it. Poston. Right. Postman, let's do it. Go uh, try to take a 5%er here, although everyone we pick ends up being like 10% now. That's fine. Doesn't matter. We can't, what the year, uh, it was like this time last year, it was hilarious. Kenny go, was like in the same spot we're in, like top 50. He's like, don't think I can give out my one and done picks on the, uh, yeah. the pod anymore. Like, buddy, there's so many weeks left to go. <laughs> you just give your picks out and figure it out at the end. It's just hilarious. But yeah, we, we can give it, our, give it ours and let's go post it. Yeah, you know what? If we're somehow inside the top 10 with two weeks remaining, maybe we'll abstain from, we'll talk about it privately and not give it out yeah, if sure. we're in the running for 50k yeah sure that's fair if i'm in the running for 50k i'm setting up the giveaway for the people like i, I don't care <laughs> Just give a win whatever whoever whatever happens we want to win first of course but uh, it's always a lot of fun the people love this stuff DraftKings picks for a week we'll build some rosters try to figure out some strategy so what I've gleaned from looking back at the past few I mean the past few all of the years that we played DraftKings at the Honda you know chalk hits from time to time, but it is the most untrustworthy chalk in the world mm-hmm. that you are better off just making your picks of who you think are the safest guys and then just pivoting one player up or down and play your lineups that way. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I saw some stuff in the Discord of people posting their note. Like, just a reminder for everyone else. Same as the is, players, by the way. This is my reminder. It said, like, do not play this tournament. No, stop clicking into the app. Do not play this tournament. And just repeating themselves because this is one where they've had carnage before and just got absolutely crushed. 
But it's, how, all, it's how, always a fun one. How can we embrace that, though? Because there does seem to be a relative advantage if we know that there's likely to be carnage. Mm-hmm. Now what, what do we do with that information? I think you just take the stands, bigger bigger stands. Like, yeah. don't, you no know, Sungjae, no Lowry. Yeah, if you want to do that, for sure. I, I'm good with no I'm The only thing I'm saying about Sungjae is, even though it is, I know it's crazy because he's going to be pushing maybe 40% in some of these tournaments, is that... It's, it's like a double-edged sword because everyone's what most people are saying and then they're still clicking the button is that he just missed it last year. He could obviously miss it again. How could you play him at 40%? But he is, by far and away, the, the best play in this field. I mean, Lowry's not that far behind. I think he is. I, I don't think there's that much discernible gap between Sungjae and Lowry outside of being on the greens. Like when you go look at their numbers. Yeah. Could Lowry, Lowry can't putt. That, that's his problem. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it's of as far as the consistency goes over the long... Like what we've seen... Yes, Lowry bounced back at the perfect time, almost how Ricky and Hideki bounced back just before the waste management. It didn't pay off huge or anything at that tournament. And now you're going to a 10-4 price tag. Whoever said this said it best. I know different field strengths by a mile, but 2% owned Lowry at 7,400 is now 25% owned Lowry at 10.4K. The field dictates it for sure, but you are paying a premium for him. The other thing about Sungjae, again, pick your poison up here, but the other thing I'll say on Sungjae is People always assume because he's 10-7, the highest price, etc., he has to win. No, if not If three not or four of these guys up here yeah. miss the cut, it's what does he do around them? People still fill out the rosters. You could see a T-18 Sungjae end up on the winning roster with the 8K winner because the way it shook out up top and Lowry and Horschel missed or something along those lines. So it's just a note that you don't have to completely go off him for those reasons. So here's my issue with fading both Sungjae and Lowry. Because I'm very comfortable doing that in a field like this. I always see shorter courses, weaker fields. I've had more success fading the very top end 10K guys mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of building a little bit more balance or just making like random picks, uh, like at whatever tournament. Like Sony's been like that. RSM is uh, RSM's not so much like that. We've seen a lot of chalk hit there. Heritage has most definitely been like that over the years, like similar style courses, that kind of thing. But if I don't use Sungjae and Lowry, I don't need to go into the 6,000s anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, I like, yeah. I have the money to use both those guys in lineups if I want to. You could definitely leave salary. You could definitely do the double stud build. Feels like it's less popular because people are looking for a reason to get off these guys. But then the other thing is what you just said is kind of a bit interesting. People are looking for these 6K diamonds in the rough. And for what? Like, do you even, like, do you have to do it? No. I guess the way to do it is if you really like these 6K guys is just round it out with 9K guys and then leave the money on the table. Like, what's the difference? If you, like, for example, you, you said it already, but like Kucher, if you've got him better than, than him, just leave the 1400 bucks on the table. Yeah, I mean, I don't have him better than no, him. No, no, no. I'm not saying you do, but like whoever's watching, if they decide I'm not playing him because he's 40%, I'm good with your guys' Kucher call, or I like what you said about Min Wu or, or Horschel, just play them and leave the money on the table. You don't need to upgrade your 6K guy if you like your 6K guy. I just, I wonder if that's why people are, are people finding 6K guys? I'm really having a struggle with this, Pat, to try and figure out, are they trying to find 6K guys to fit Sungjae since he's going to be 40%, let's call it? Or are they just doing it because they like these guys and then they're trying to round it out with four 9K guys? Or what, what are you really seeing here? Because the 9K range seems to have everyone like around 15 to 20% ownership. Well, I built likely the chalkiest lineup possible right okay, now. Okay, one second. Let me pull it up here. Go ahead. <clears throat> you ready for this? Yep. Slow and steady. Sung J.M. Yep. Johnny Vegas. Okay. Ben Griffin. Joseph Bramlett. Lee Hodges. Hayden Buckley. Yeah, that's definitely very chalky. All right, well, that'll be our starting point. So what do you make of that lineup? 
I bet you it projects three, well. Three miscuts? I don't know. Yeah, four miscuts maybe? Maybe, yeah. Hey, I, I, I came last in the $200 single entry last week with a two of six lineup, so. <laughs> and I played, I played in this free contest, like this season-long thing that I do with a few people that I know. Yeah. And just had, like, the smoke. My best lineup was in that, in the free contest. I won 10 bucks for, the, like, the weekly prize. There's nothing worse than that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's a different thing. What was that in? It was not on DraftKings. It was, you know, it's on DraftKings. Like, I, I played that lineup in uh, in the $5 and, okay. like, cashed all right in it. But against, like, a 31-person field, just I, I smoked everyone. <laughs> no, that's fair. I was going to say, if there's anything I could teach somebody, like, my buddy just came out of my house a couple weeks ago for Super Bowl. And he's like, yeah, I got this lineup. It's in the free one. First is, like, 100 bucks, And then he's playing, like, a $50 single entry. I'm like, play, like, split it up a little bit so that <laughs> one win. Like, what if that one wins and you don't even win the 100 bucks because there's 27,000 people in it and the $50 single entry is the, the bad team? And he's like, oh, I guess that makes sense. There's just so many people do that that I always try and have my, my stuff protected to be at least be somewhere that I can win money. Yeah, but back to this, it projects solid. It definitely is very chalky. Like, those are all guys that are going to be popular for their price tags for probably good reason, but how do you split them up? How do you play them different? That's going to be the question. So the, the difference that, so the guys that I had to leave on the table, I'm looking at fancy nationals ownership projections right now. Sung J Vegas Griffin, one, two, three for the moment. And I wasn't able with this lineup to fit in Lowry, Kirk, Dietrich, wise Kucher, who all project out pretty highly as well. Right. And then it dropped into that Bramlett Hodges, Buckley range of the mid sevens. So when we get to, there's no one really in the low sevens that I can see that is hopping off the page, like Ben Taylor, and he's not even going to push 10%. Yeah, so that's the first thing I noticed. You talked about how do we get different, how do we embrace this, all these factors. Like uh, 8K and above, like, yeah, you could say, like, I don't really love Straka, English, Svensson. Like, I don't really love those guys, but I'm just saying mixing those guys up, it could be anybody. Like, if Horschel comes through, it won't surprise me. If it is Minwoo, even with the ownership, it won't surprise me. You do have to spend salary somewhere. What I'm noticing, Pat, is right out of the gate is sort of 7,400, to 7,900 is just loaded with the could be guys like who's going to get to 15 to 20% in there because I've got right now you talked about Ben Griffin you talk about people are mentioning Jagger again after last week so you see him Aaron Rye for sure Benny on for sure Buckley Bramlett and then maybe SH Kim even but I think SH Kim will stay lower so I guess it's kind of 7,500 to 79 did you say Will Gordon He's in there too, but he, I got him 10 to 12. Yeah. But could he be the 15? It doesn't matter. It depends on where you're 15 yeah, or 12. It, I'm it, saying that range is getting picked up huge in these lineups. So there are two guys from that range. Cause I don't think that Rye ends up getting up that high. You don't? I don't. Maybe just after maybe a, like a last second press, but I still think that more people will be on Buckley and Ben Ann. Like they're just more known quantities. And Buckley is, you know, he almost won the Sony. It seems like everyone in the world, I guess, besides you and I, yeah. have bets in on Buckley this week. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I think Buckley gets pretty popular. Here's the range. So, Ben Griffin, you mentioned, he could push 20%. Vegas could also push 20%, right? Mm-hmm. Every player between those two guys is going to be single digits, and no one's going to have them. Every single one. Straka, English, Moronk, Bez, Cam Davis, Higo. Now, I get why people don't want to use all of them, although, like, right now, I have Moronk and Straka in lineups. Yeah, Moronk, I've got Straka. And Higo, actually. Straka, very little. It's just so hard to go. I mean, he's 8,500 back-to-back. I don't know. Like, things broke his way last year. I don't... He played okay last week. Yeah, but again, you don't need him to win. You just need him to be better than Johnny Vegas and... Ben yeah. Griffin. And, yeah, he's right there. And Poston's the other one who po- has very low ownership. Poston's there. the guy. I, I like the two at the top. I like Poston Pendrith. Also, Thomas Dietrich, just of note, he, he is still getting some ownership, but 
just to note, like 14 straight made cuts is third on the tour right now is to Rom and Xander. Yeah, that's crazy. Straight. And they're all like 30th. So that's what I always talk about where it's like he could, he's one stroke from being like, it looks horrible on paper. One or two strokes from 50th. He's one or two strokes from like, these are all top 20s. And you're like, holy shit, this guy's mispriced at 9K. So um, see, I don't, I don't know. He's not my favorite player in there. I'm just noting that because he kind of fits in that upper 8K range versus the the mid tier of Vegas, Svensson, Straka, English, where I think those guys are all getting mid teens. So I am going to follow through on the no Sung Jay, no Lowry. And I feel like if I do that, it's not that I can take anyone that I want to be unique, but I'm really boxing out a lot of the field. Like if I want to use Vegas and I believe in Vegas at 21%, then I can do that. Mm-hmm. If I don't have Sung Jay to go along with him. Because even if Vegas does well and Sung Jay doesn't, then I'm way ahead of the pack. Although that's probably not the bet you want to make. Vegas to be Vegas to do well, Sung Jay not to do well. It's usually the opposite of that that happens. Yeah. I also wonder if what was the tournament like a couple of weeks ago we had where everyone's like, oh, Rom's going to be 40%. And then he came in at 25. Damn, I forget which one this was. I think was. it was Phoenix. Yeah. And he was even low on last week, by the way, 14 or 13% yeah. in the mega, like that, stuff like that. But I will say that because it's not that everyone's talking themselves out of him. It's just like, again, if they don't need to go down to the 6Ks and they see that, you can easily get three of these 7K guys in that we just talked about that are shock. And then you got all these guys from Lowry down to who will people be comfortable with English? Let's say even Moronk, maybe, you know, people are not going to be comfortable with Moronk. I think they're fine with him. 6,900 last week. I bet you he gets 15, 12 to 15% is where I see him landing. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like no one knows who he is. Doesn't matter. These. Okay. Back to that. This is also another, what I always talk about. This is another lazy week. We're stuck between two designated on either side. People like, you know, they're just looking for action. There's no NBA till tomorrow. The NBA all-star break. They're just listening to these shows and they're rolling out whatever people say. You liked Moronk last week. He did okay. He's a fair price. He's 8,300. He doesn't need a win. I'm sure he'll still get, I'll say 10 to 15 and put a wider range on it, but he's getting double digits. There's a chance that he's like the fifth best player in this field. Right. So maybe you like him more if he comes in at 12. And, I do like him. Yeah. Like I'm definitely using Moronk. Yeah. I do worry that he's undercarried, but you know, he can come second. That's fine. Yeah. I don't have a bet on him. No, he can do a lot less than that too at 8,300. He can there, there's a f- There's a few guys in the sevens that, I mean, it's hard to like anyone, really, to say, like, oh, this is the guy. I like Aaron Rye. Aaron Rye is most definitely a core guy that I'm going to be using this week. But to look at everyone else, between your Buckleys, your Ons, Bramlets, Will Gordons, S.H. Kim, all guys that trend are tracking to be very popular, there's one guy sandwiched in the middle of that who I think has made eight cuts in a row. Justin Suh? Yeah. And he's going to be, like, 2% out. Yeah, I like And he's him. no different than any of these guys. Great great pivot there because that's what I'm saying. He's, he's okay, he's sandwiched between Jaeger, Hodges, Rye, and on the other side, Benny Ann and Buckley. There's just no way he gets it. He, he's definitely the one that gets squeezed. So I think that's a good tournament play, single entry play. I also... Eight, eight cuts in a row, no finish better than 20th. So that's not great. Who cares? Here, I'll take the made cut. So, so here, here you're good with, it doesn't... It's so hard to get six to six here anyway. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, what's the real difference between him and those guys we just talked about? He's no. got, if it was like two months ago, everyone loves this guy. So the, the thing, because he's been losing a bunch of strokes <laughs> off the tee. Again, he did that at Genesis and Farmers. What do those two courses have in common? Thin fairways, long courses. You go back and look at all of the previous six tournaments where he made the cut. He's like gaining 10 strokes on the field in terms of accuracy. So I'm not too concerned about him being like wild off the tee. Can it happen? Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think it's a bit different when you go to these bomber courses and your stats are being weighted against John Rahm and Max Homa and Rory McIlroy rather than playing the Sony Open where he gained a bunch off the tee when you're going up against like Matt Kuchar. Yeah, people use Sony Open quite a bit too. I mean, there's been a lot of crossover here. Yeah, We've so, seen a lot of similar winners at both of these events. That's true. And, and so I don't hate that aspect of another guy like this is one of my dudes I always play him, but Nick Hardy is also sandwiched he, quite a bit. He fucked two- me so badly last week. Hopefully he fucked everybody and they don't play him. So. I, I, I have him listed. Like, the stats yeah. love Nick Hardy. He's good. That's why. Like, And, again, he had his, he had an injury, came back from it, had a nice run, and now it's slowed down a little bit, of course. But if you just look at him at 7,500, again, Hardy, Buckley, and Will Gordon, all these guys around him, I'm going to take a shot on him. I like So these aren't, like, my favorite plays, but just to bring up this range. Because, like I said, if you are going in here, I think it's worth pivoting in this range where everyone's going or just getting off this range from a roster construction standpoint altogether. We see that week in, week out. Last week, if you played, uh, what was it, like, Lee Hodges and Tway and just skip that range of everyone was on Norin and Fleet, Fleetwood worked, but I'm saying Fleetwood and um, Mitchell and Harmon, or not Mitchell, he was good, Harmon, all those guys that people were on in that range, you just had to play the two 6K guys and jump up. You ended up at the top of the leaderboards. That's how people won. Uh, I enjoyed me winning our bet last week when, once again, the answer was play, play both. the both. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, we for those who remember, didn't watch, we had Cantley versus Homa. <laughs> they were basically both of them could have won down the stretch. And so you got me there. I did get you, and we didn't bet this one, but I did get you on the Cantley over Hovland ownership. That is true. Quite a gap there and a difference. And that's how I feel I about was, some of the guys this week. I was surprised. I was genuinely surprised about that. Yeah. Now, how big was the gap? Because in the $20, it was very close. I thought it was more, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, I, 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 especially in high stakes, Cantley was up there. Yeah, high, high stakes. Yeah, but we were we, talk, we we talked about the 20, didn't we? We, we, I, we were talking in general, but I was saying for sure he was the guy that was going to be in, in the higher stakes, smaller fields, would get steamed even more, and that and, was the case. And I will always default to you about what's going on in higher stakes, because I don't play higher stakes. Yeah, for you sure. You do. So no, you're, it's, you're, it's just helpful for people to know, because in some, like last week, you got a huge gap where, uh, you know, what was it? I think, uh, Scheffler or somebody, there was... Hovland was more owned than Cantlay by 4% in the $20. In the $20. Yeah, he was the third highest owned guy. Yeah. 
8900 they were the again those were 8900 9k but the funny part was the cantlever's helmet coming 2-3 yeah you know same thing as last time so um sh kim what uh, riley any of these guys down here and what about patty patty harrington no i'm not gonna take the 53 year old patty harrington coming off a second place pat Oh, 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 do we lost to Stephen Ames over in Morocco at the King Hussein the second tournament? I think it was actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure, or something like that. Uh, uh, Evr is getting some love. I listen. I understand the bet at like ninety to one. There's no way this guy's touching my DraftKings lineup. Touching I, the I water st- at some point. I am. St- yeah, I. I don't know if he's ever gone into the water outside of that one 3M tournament, but he went into it forty-five times. Yeah, when everyone was on him. Although. He did go into the water at the players because I remember him smashing the team up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broke it up there, yeah. What What about Riley I mentioned, though? Like Riley or S.H. Kim? S.H. Kim, yes. Riley, no for me. I, I would prefer Willett. I was I, just going to say, we at, gotta, I like Willett here, too. Like Lynx guys, Euro guys. Like This is more of a Euro-style course. It works out that way. If you go look at the leaderboards, it's like guys that are solid – Short course players, things like that. And then it's all the hands and around the green game, experience, all those Don't factors. put it in the water. Know how to deal with the wind. Yeah, that I bet Willett at 70, so I like him as okay. well. Okay. Like, what about Bramlett and Will Gordon? Both. You like you like them both? Yeah. The, so I have everyone fucking starred from the mid-seven. But that's what everyone's doing. That's what I'm saying. So you have to take some, like, you, I'll, I'll have, for example, like the guys that I'll be less on, like Lee Hodges after last week. Just I'm, I'm not it. playing Lee Hodges. Right? Like, that's, Here's the move. Use Lee Hodges in Friday showdown, fade him in Saturday showdown. Okay. Just bet against him on Saturdays. <laughs> this is my big thing with Lee, because I bet on Lee Hodges a bunch of times last year, and he'd be in the mix, and then Saturday would come, and he'd fucking suck. You have to go back down and find the new Lee Hodges this week. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when he goes, I know that the, the field changes the price, as it did with Lowry and all those examples that the, I gave. The, the but... answer is Eric Cole. Yeah. He's the answer. He's down there. Yeah, Everyone's he's... on badly. I'll take Eric Cole. I don't hate that. We'll get to 6,900. Anybody at the low, low sevens? Like, uh, I'm hearing... Lonto. Why aren't we playing WD. Lonto? At... WD. Oh, he WD? So that's why people aren't playing Lonto. That's that make, That makes sense. He doesn't even have a tee time next to his name. That's probably <laughs> that's why. That's why people are not playing. What about Brandon Wu, 7,300? <sighs> the other Wu. By my numbers, it looked like Dylan Wu was better. What about this bet? Brandon Wu beats Min Wu, and Parker Cootie beats Pearson. If one of the cooties, especially Pearson, Pearson Cootie, yeah. <laughs> like if he has a good week, I'm fucked. The best is, Fuck did you put guy. him on the quagmire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like, uh, you said that's both of them in one, but yeah, I don't know. Either way, I just see that happen all the time. I think it was actually at Honda a year where Chase got a sponsor's invite. And of course, beat Brooks. Because his brother's there and beat Brooks. So it's like the same thing will play back right so of course. Th- this is what i'm seeing and listen the the dylan Wu from sony did not play very well but no was, dylan Wu. we were talking brand yeah but Wu. i'm talking dylan oh Wu. you can go ahead uh dylan Wu, top 30 at pebble beach shorter course american express shorter course came 32nd there in the swing season made the cut in bermuda made the cut at sanderson farms made the cut at rsm he's 6600 bucks if you're looking to get someone to potentially sneak through to the weekend and latin at pebble man he lit up pebble beach Mm-hmm. He gained like six strokes in two rounds on approach. So I'm not, I mean, Brandon Wu, yes, is probably the better player. But if we're just saying Brandon Wu over Min Wu, I mean, why don't we just play all the Wu's? Just yeah. play all three of them. Do it. Is there more? No, there's, there's Brandon, Dylan, and Min Wu. Where's Sibu when we need him? Yeah. I know. These guys, guys holding out for some. That is, <laughs> Nobody's this, playing this course this week. Well, I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit because someone had made mention that, you know, Jeff and I were complaining about how shitty the field is for this tournament and then someone else had said like well you really love these elevated events 
you know, you're going to have to get some of these. Like, it doesn't matter who the players are. Like, if you're really into the PGA Tour, like, what what's the difference between, you know, this event and, like, some other ones? Is that there's no mid-card anymore for the PGA Tour. Like, that's what Liv really did to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, because before, like, we have Sungjae and Lowry. They're great. Billy, well, even throw Billy Horschel into that as well. There would usually be, like, three or four more guys here. Like, I'm not talking about Rom and Rory and those guys, but like Hovland or JT, JT or Morikawa or because we're not even getting the Sam Riders, the Luke Lists or the Keith Mitchells at this event anymore. Like we're just missing three or four more names. And then you look at it and you're like, okay, not so bad. There is the cost of doing business. Uh, I mean, that's part of it. I love the designated events. I said it like, you know, even the RBC Canadian Open last year was not a designated event, but it gave me, it gave me the feel I said at the start of the season what it would what these events would turn out like because that was so good with all the dudes at the end in the in the mix and that's what we're getting now with these designated events. So it is the cost of doing business for sure. I like gambling on golf, <laughs> so I like every event from that perspective. But that's also for some that don't realize like that's why I keep up with it so much. That's why I want to know every little piece. I, I read all the content, watch all the shows, do all that stuff. I want to stay up on it because I want to win money at everything that I do with it. And there's a lot of opportunity between DraftKings sh- having both Showdown and Classic between all the the betting that we do. Look at your card at the start. We can bet on multiple tours, all that stuff. I'm not lining up my whole weekend to sit down every hour away from my family to watch every minute of this. Like, how is Harry Higgs doing this weekend? I don't give a shit. But that is part of it, right? It is a bad field. It's going to be part of it, though, if you want to have the good field. So I totally understand it. We've got some great events, as you mentioned earlier, coming up. Maybe, because it's Pebble and this course that have really jumped out Mm -hmm. with the two bad fields, sandwiched around all these good fields. I think it's just because I like those two courses a lot, that I want to see them, like, done right by. Well, that was the argument, right? We talked a little pre-show on it. People are saying, like, you know, the opinion of some is, and and I think the tour did talk about this, that they were thinking about moving some of these designated events around. Others are saying, some with bigger names out there in the Twitter sphere, that that's a horrible idea. They should not do that. We need to get these events known to the people. Like, it has to be a thing. Like, Riv is the spot to be every year for Genesis. And it's already going to be, in my opinion. Same with waste management. Same with a lot of these events that we're going to talk about. Players, these are always going to be the biggest events anyway. I would like it more if now, like, a course like this that I like, we've been to, it's a great spot, anything can happen. Great drama down the stretch. A lot more drama than full swing, back to that one. But bringing that up, you, you could have a great event here with all, if you could, like, I would love this course with all the players on it that we just had. They don't want to come and play this course. Why? Because it's the hardest course. Makes them look bad? It, yeah, it's the hardest course they play but on that's tour. that's fun. They don't, they don't want, they want, Rom doesn't want to go out there and potentially shoot an 80 in bad conditions. Yeah. That, that's saved exclusively for bad weather British Opens. That's true. I, I guess that could be the case. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we won't see it. I'd like for it to do that. But if it doesn't, we just have to understand that this is the nature of the business. These guys have to play to maintain status, get their cards, win money, change their lives. It's a huge week for them still. There's a lot of money up top and a card for them and all these factors. So uh, we just have to be willing to ignore it in some cases if, if you don't want it. Anyone in the sixes outside of Eric Cole that you like? I, I have Matty Schmidt tentatively starred. Carl Wan, my guy. What Dylan. do you like about him? Carl Wan? Yeah, he popped a little for me too. Yeah, he stuff. just fires at pins. So either he's got it or boom he's going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah, I, I like the boom bust. What are we going back to Tway? I don't like Tway as much here. Okay. Yeah, I hope others don't. I'll go back. Okay. Uh, what about Eric Barnes with Eric Cole? No, just Eric Barnes this week. You sure? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eric Barnes actually seems to be a pretty decent player. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then here's another example I'll give. I'm not sure how much I'll have of him, but I love his first name, of course, Tyler Duncan. He, he has basically stayed the same price, and he, did, he didn't do Lee Hodges things last week, but he did his job. 
and Lee Hodges year. gets bumped huge and Barnes or sorry and um Duncan basically stays where he is and, and Duncan does the same things every week he hits every fairway it just can he putt or not Duncan it in the water maybe to, to miss the cut hopefully not hopefully not yeah but I don't mind him um another guy I sometimes play Norlander just a grinder he, he's a boom bust guy and he hasn't done much lately but if, if he could come through and then here's, after that it's very slim man. well here's the thing do you need to play any of these guys I don't think so do, should you probably like I, car, I mean shit's gonna go down here man like any of these guys get through that's huge huge value that's gonna pay off it also naturally puts you off some of that 7400 to 7900 dollars range chalk where you kind of just got to pick your spot and you can go with our one dude like justin so and hope that he's the guy that breaks the barrier between all those guys but i mean you will ha- you'll have to mix those guys up and just know that you're you're taking some miscuts and build your lineups accordingly to to build for that. Yeah. Like, uh, if you can get 15% six of six lineups this week, oh. you're going to be like 3x, 4x the field. You'd, you'd In, unless the, it, everything just comes through as If planned. the chalk all hits, then yeah, it's a bad Which week. it never does here. But it seemingly never does, yes. Frank Grant? That's who you want to talk about. Yeah, this I is mean, the guy I, really I don't really want to talk about him. Like, I just think it's... Based on the numbers that I overweighted this week, that he rates out really well, like in terms of driving this week, he has plus plus distance, but he's also one of the more accurate guys as well in terms of like averages of the field. I think he's like 20th in the field in driving distance and he's 51st in accuracy. Like that could be a big advantage on the par fives here. And that's really where you're going to do all of your scoring this week. Keep it out of the water, score on the par fives. You're probably going to be top 20. The first part you just said though. Yeah, but I mean, that's where the accuracy comes in. We'll and also, a, a good right avoid oh, stash, as Joe pointed out to us. Yeah. Hey, that worked with Rory in Phoenix. It did work that time. Yeah, that, that was funny bringing that up. That, that stuff, for some people know, is mostly just narrative. But people love a good narrative. People are like, why is this? And Listen, we don't know anything that, anyway. No we might knows. as well just talk just, about whatever. It's just a good narrative. Exactly. Yeah, it's just and for content purposes, mostly. Past two finishes, 25th at the Farmers. 21st. AT&T, 20th at, like that, at Pebble yeah. Beach. So, and like you see his numbers, like he generally gains off the tee. He's, they're only at, funny enough, the Sony Open. Is the only event since joining the tour where he's lost strokes off the tee. But to kind of be pick and choosy with his stats from Pebble and Farmers, he made the cut in both, but that's only two weighted rounds at AT&T and only three at No Farmers. big water in play to know how he focuses on that. If he didn't have good numbers at the Sony, X him. Cut him right out. I don't know. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I, I don't, I, I'm just not as high on him. I get the two recent results. You've been good with these picks this year. I'm going to continue to just I, – I, I, I don't know how much I'm going down here anyway, but that's I, I what I'm saying. I much prefer Eric Cole. The guys that I talked about, yeah, like, are the guys that I'll probably have in my pool. And then the guys going up from there, like I said, in the 7Ks, you're just going to have to pick and choose your spots. I think the biggest thing this week is going to be, as always, roster construction, ownership, trying to plug it together that way. And this week you have to – I'd be willing to take on way bigger stands, whether it's, you know, if you want to leave salary from a Sungjae to a Minwoo – and say, yes, I'm eating the ownership on Minwoo, but I'm also leaving money to get unique that way. I don't even think you have to do that. I'm just giving different ways to think about it. And then the other spot would be like, you know, just building your lives. We're going to build some in a minute anyway, but like maybe you build, this last year it was the three 9K build with three 7Ks. That, no, no 10s, no 8s, no 6s. I feel like outside of the Sungjae Lowry or Sungjae whoever, like the three 9K, three 7 It's going to be one of the most popular builds. It's who do you do it with, first of all. Justin Sir and JT Post. For sure, but even in the 9K ranges, who do you do it with? You know, not as many people are going to play certain guys as others. And then also, uh, you said it. I actually don't think it will be popular. The M. Lowry builds, I almost like combining them if you're going there versus full fading them because while you don't need the guys, you probably end up, let, let's try it. Let's let's look at a Sungjae. Oh, it's super easy to do. Lowry build. Yes, but here's my point. This is where you can get your 6K guy in the mix and skip that 7K range that everybody's on. Okay, how much better do you think that Ben Griffin is to Eric Cole? 
I don't know. Honestly. Like, but but if you go Cole, because yeah, we like him. Yeah, who's so, another 6K guy? You said Grant? I mean, Grant's probably even too cheap. You can do this with... I mean, you like Tway, right? Yeah, sure. So let's, let's, let's throw in Tway. Tway. So Cole and Tway with Buckley and Bramlett still gives you Lowry and him. Yeah, and that's where, again, now you've gone to the popular version of this build because you land in that same bucket. What's the difference between a $7,500 guy and another guy at 7K? Like who? Okay, or do it backwards. Let's or, go to Moronk. Or we just turn... No, 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 plug Moronk in. You land on 6,800. Or you just plug in Justin Suh instead of Hayden Buckley, and now yeah, it's the unpopular version of this build. Right, but it's not. It's an unpopular ownership-wise. Yes. You're on the same construction. That's where I think people always mess this up. Not saying you did. Saying I, in general, I have messed it up. That's what, that is what you're saying. I'm, well, I'm saying it, it can still hit. There's no way of knowing what really messes it up. But I'm saying when people think, oh, but I got a different unique guy in my lineup. Now I'm all set. I'm saying that if you, like last week, if you built, the, only, the people that got to Lee Hodges had Lee Hodges with like Tway. And then the guys at the top, they weren't messing around with all those guys in the middle. So they missed out on Keith Mitchell, let's say, who ended up getting to the top. But they still had three of the guys. They had some Rom, Cantlay, Homa type lineups that could still get there and maybe land on Mitchell and they got lucky there. So all I'm saying is if you switch this up to play Moronk, Pat. I'm going to say you just drop uh, you have to Buckley go to Dylan Wu and then go to Seb Straka. Right. So again, to me, it's not saying that's a better lineup. I'm saying, but that construction, now you've got different with the double stud construction where others aren't probably doing that. Others are still landing in the same zone and then wondering why they're still five of six because the $7,500 guy missed. We said there's gonna be a bunch of guys in that range miss. That's, we'll all have lineups like that, but I'm trying to look for different angles with the same type of lineups as others. Okay. So that, that you brought up a good one there. That was a, a great example at the end you brought up. So I think you could use that. What's the more common version of just starting with Sung JM? Let's look at that build. I mean, I think it was the first one that I gave out. Right. I, I guess, yeah, you did give that one. So M, Vegas, Griffin, three guys in that 7.5 to 7.7. Well, only because I can't identify from the lower sevens who the popular guy is going to be. Can you? Because the lower sevens? I don't think there is many. I think you can just play wherever you want. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. But like, if we're talking about the popular build with Sung Jay, instead of Vegas, who is going to be popular? I would guess that it's probably Sung Jay, one of the 9Ks, the rest of that lineup. And instead of instead of Vegas, you drop Vegas down to whoever the said low seven guy is. So that, like that is I, the... I, M Kirk or M Kucher kind of thing instead of Vegas. Stick with Griffin, stick with Buckley, stick with Bramlett, whoever it might be, Lee Hodges from that middle. But then there's a guy in the very lower sevens as well to round that out. Yeah, I think one thing that's all good, I think the one thing to look at this week is sort of the bottom-up build where you say, okay, who are the guys I want to play? Like, if, if you like Brandon Wu, you can, like, let's say you say, okay, the reason I'm saying bottom-up build is because then you can figure it out at the top what fits without landing on, like, let's say if you want to avoid some of the 7.5 to 7.9K range, who are the three guys in the low, either high sixes or low sevens that you feel comfortable with? Like we said, Brandon Wu. I, I mean, I like Dylan Wu. Okay, so let's start with Dylan Wu. Dylan Wu, Eric Cole. And Aaron Badley does seem to be the one picking up steam down there. Yeah, but who do you like? I like Eric Cole and Dylan Wu. Okay, so I put them. And now that gives us 9,100 average. Now you go to Moronk, okay, instead of Vegas. Because like on. you said, he'll, he'll be popular. But I, still- I, I like where this is going. Although you can most definitely use a Vegas line. <laughs> you can use Vegas. You can still use you have, Vegas. If you have Cole and Wu. <laughs> and land on those guys. But this is a great point here, what we're looking at. And now I can go like, who are some of the guys that said? Poston? We said we kind of like. We can go Horschel, Kucher, Poston, I think. Or Ku- Min Wu. Fuck, we still have even more. Min Wu, Kirk. Like you, you can do a bunch here. You can do 
Sungjae Vegas. I mean, you can even in this lineup, I think you can get to, yeah, you can. Like if you go Cole and Wu, you can go Horschel, Minwoo, Post, and Moronk, or you could turn Moronk into Vegas if you wanted to. Yeah, and you can still turn Moronk into Vegas. So there's a different example because this is what we just talked about where you said the 3-9-K would be popular. What about the 2-9-2-8-2-6? No sevens, no tens. This is an interesting build, and it still projects pretty well. I can see that. I mean, if it has Billy... Who projects better? I mean, in terms of, like, overall projection, I would guess that Kucher projects out better than Minwoo. Uh, it's actually pretty close. Is it? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. What about, like, Wise and Mc... Like, Wise is my least favorite of these guys. He actually projects out well. I'm sure he does. What do you th- like? Who's the one that gets squeezed in here? So let's go look at this for. I, I still think it's Min Wu, but not as much to the extent as we thought it was going to be. Like he'll end up at like 13 percent now. Yeah, try, let's try and put ownership on these five guys. Min Wu down to Dietrich. Okay. Who's the highest owned? Kucher. Min, Min Wu down to Dietrich. Yeah. I th- People love playing Aaron Wise. That's yeah, true. And when you look at odds versus DraftKings pricing, I bet you he's the best one because right. he's like 22 to one. Right. So you got to think he's what, 20%? Yeah. Could be high. Like, it, But you could see a consolidation around one of these guys as well. Yeah. We're not going to be 100% accurate, but like, okay, if we think he's the highest, do you think Kucher? I think, I think Kucher's second. So what do we put him at, 18? Yeah. And then it's probably Minwoo, actually, now that I think about it. At 17? Yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd say fifteen, but that's put sixteen me. and average it, okay. And then Denny, where does Denny and Dietrich lie? I would say it's Denny next. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Then Dietrich, then Horschel. And then Dietrich. And you also have to remember Chris Kirk is going to be very highly owned. You think so? Yeah, I do. So what do you think he's going to be at eighteen? I think Kirk could push twenty by the time it's all said and done. All right. So that I mean that solves a little bit there. That you know for sure. Denny looks a little bit better. Wise looks good still. How does Dietrich look? Not very good. Really? At 10% or something? Well, I put him, what do you think he's going to come in at? I put him at like 13. Yeah, between 10 and 15. But yeah. it could be the lower end. And he, like, I don't care about that. Like, do I like Dietrich better than I like Wise? Yeah, sure. I just okay. don't like Wise. <laughs> so now let's do the opposite because we just did the bottom up build. I'll save that score. I've got it in there. Now let's say, okay. Of those guys that we just talked about, we can do Kirk down to Dietrich. Well, do you like Kirk or Horschel better? I think all of us would probably agree Kirk may be safer to make the cut yeah. than Horschel. Because Lord knows where Horschel's game is at. He's going I'll, I'll take the chance on Horschel. I, mean, I, I would rather play Horschel than Kirk as well. But if you're just talking about, if you had to make a same odds, minus 125 to make the cut between them, I think we'd all bet Kirk. Oh yeah, I think so too. That's not what we're talking. But that's what, yeah. In this, let's go three nine k with the guys we kind of like, and then see where it lands us. Like so, what we want to do. So Kirk Minwoo and Dietrich, yeah. Or Horschel Minwoo and Dietrich. Well, reason I, I go Horschel Minwoo and Dietrich, and the reason I do is just to say it like the Dietrich thing. Now this is where I always talk about. Do I think Dietrich is a better play in this range? No. But when he's my third guy in, and he's on fourteen straight made cuts, and maybe that comes through here, and we get another one. What if he adds those two those two strokes in his favor instead of thirty first? He's eleventh. And the, one of these other guys comes through, Horschel gets the W or something like that. It's all if-thens, but my point is that's when I don't I like him more at that as a third guy in than starting with him and needing him to sort of you know hope that he's the anchor that way, even though an 8K guy could win anyway and cancel all that out. So also priced into this, like Chris Kirk being the third highest owned, the third highest price player in this field. Like in no world is he better than Billy Horschel, who's 
won WGCs and won the big one memorial know, last year. One memorial, the BMW PGA Championship, Florida the, guy, Gator Boy yeah. on the Bermuda, all like, those it, factors. Like, like, yeah. there, there is no point of time where Kirk has ever really been better than Billy Horschel, but you're factoring in his quote unquote safety. That's factored into his price as his course history. Yeah. It's true, and that's why I like him. That's why I'm good with this. Now, here's the point that I was going to get to. 7,300 remaining. What does everybody do? Picks their two guys at 7,500 that they like or 76, and then whatever 6K Cole. guy they like. We need to go, okay, we both like Moronk, right? Yeah, we do like Moronk. We do like Moronk. Or he, or he go. We both yeah. like Cole, and that leaves us 6,700. But we have a guy there that we're comfortable with at 66, I think, right? I mean, comfortable is pushing the boundaries a little bit. It depends what you like. I'm, I'm very comfortable with Tyler Duncan, and it actually projects the same as the lineup we just had. I, I prefer Dylan Wu, but you're probably right that Duncan's more likely a better play. They're, they're both fine. I, I, again, whatever. They, they almost you're project sp- the you're, same. You're too, splitting so you're, hairs. You're splitting hairs, but I, don't, I think that's my point of this build. Again, you've now got three guys up top that if you <laughs> – look, win equity is spread pretty evenly here. There's nobody besides the Sungjae factor, but if you're going to go off Sungjae – you get three guys in here that you think could win. At least the odds say they could win in the Horschels, the, Lu- the Minwoos, and the Dietrichs. Dietrichs a cut maker. If you don't think he can win, at least he's on 14 straight made cuts. Adrian Moronk, you yourself said you think he could easily be considered a top 5, 10 player in this field. So now you plug him in, and then you what's the difference you said between Cole and some of these guys? I don't know. He's been playing pretty damn good. Play him. And now you just got to pick your guy at 6,600 that, that, or 6,700. That is a good build that avoids worrying which of these 7K guys are going to be the bombs because some of them are going to be bombs in that range. The other move potentially here is to take Dietrich down to Vegas. I don't know if this works out perfectly. Okay. Then you can get Wu up to 7,100. I guess there's no one really there that I like is the problem. So that's not really going to play itself out. It may be the other way, though. Like, I, I, I'm still comfortable. Like, if I had Tyler Duncan down there, let's just go with him. So let's take Cole take out. Take Cole out. You land on 7,400, and you get, and you get to choose your – Again, Willett's probably different. I actually like that one. Or SH Kim. You can get away with SH Kim here. You could do uh, Davis Riley if you like him. I, I much prefer Willett and SH over Davis Riley this week. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about pure upside, almost like the Billy Horschel sense, I mean, I think we all – I mean, all is probably stretching it, but agree that there is substantial upside with Davis Riley. It just, it's a lot like Cam Davis at the moment. Like, it seems like there's something wrong with him. Yeah, and this is all subjective because golf tournaments, G- GPPs and DFS, like looking at it from this way. But just to say this, like when you're rounding that line about the same way I just spread it out for you with Horschel, Lee, now you're saying Vegas could be I mean, fine. Vegas is the Dietrich or, version. Or Svensson no, or No, no, he's fine. Is. Like it's, he's basically another cut maker with maybe upside. You don't know which Vegas is going to show up, but he could get through the cut. Moronk, your top five to 10, Tyler Duncan or Wu, whoever your favorite value play is. Now at 7,400, all I'm saying is like in a large field tournament, Maybe I go with Davis Riley. Think about it this way, because I want the potential for the upside. Like, what if he smashes, he wins? I already bet Willett to win. I think he could win too, but I could see where someone say there's no chance in hell, but I could see him making the cut. So in your higher stakes, smaller field, no ownership on Willett, maybe you plug him in and just say, this gives me better cut equity. Like, so who do you think, if, again, you gave the Kirk Horschel example, I think people are slamming Danny Willett to bet him to make the cut over Davis Riley, oh, what they've sure. seen lately. 100%. So you're looking at from the made cut equity, the Davis, the, the Danny Willett version. If you're looking at, I got to win this $20 with 150,000 people in it, maybe I'm going for Riley and hoping it's a coming out party that no one expected that we did expect before. We've lost, the, it's lost its luster. Now I'm going to try him this week on this event. That, that's how I think people should look at it. Meant to point out earlier, uh, as a part of the audio podcast, the XFL picks for the week will be after 
this portion on the audio. It has a standalone video on YouTube, but <laughs> didn't want to overwhelm people's podcast feeds with like gotcha. one twenty minute show and just cobble them all together. And good news, I won't be here for that one, so you'll get good picks. Maybe. Yeah. I, I definitely don't have any for XFL, that's for sure. Well, I, I ran the Sims. Yeah. So. I, that's all I'm going to be doing, too. Yeah. That's all most people. They ran back doing. pretty good tournaments, all things considered. I know not. I know the XFL fiends aren't excited about it. They're 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 okay with it. They wished, how come we just couldn't do the same thing again? But other sports are coming back. That's why other sports are coming back, and they did have all these like crazy. They were basically giving away fifteen dollars tickets into the giant XFL one yeah. over the past four months, just to ensure that it would get filled. Like running like one dollar satellites and stuff yeah. like that. So people had a bunch of tickets to use. If they fill the fifty. 1001 this week with a Thursday start. And I think where there's there's four games but one of them starts on a Thursday, I think we might get another pretty big sizable tournament that hasn't been released yet for the weekend. <laughs> That's for true. the three game slate or even just the Sunday slate, I don't know. Make your money now while you can. That's the key. So, normally I play between like 40 and 50 lineups in the $5 and I try to use between like 17 and 20 players right. as a part of my prize pool. I think I might expand that range this week. Like maybe I don't need to play 60% of five players or something like that, that with what I know about this tournament and how random it can be, that maybe spreading out the wealth a little bit might be the move. And I mean that more towards like the top and try to consolidate at the bottom a little bit. Like if I can be right about Eric Cole or be right about Dylan Wu yeah. or whoever it might be, then just, I mean, I don't know who the fuck's going to win. That's what I do. That's what I talk about all the time. I think that's, again, it's teach their own. There's so many different ways. And I think there's different win. ways that you can go yeah. about that too. Like I think this tournament in particular, that's the route that I want to take versus another tournament where it's like, oh yeah, play Rom, Cantley, and Homa and figure out the rest from down low. Yeah, it's just a really tough course and it's tough to figure out. And it's not one, as a, the, the cliche saying goes, it's not one to get right at. So you got to think about that some too, but you also do have to be willing to take on some risk. Anything can happen any given week. Lee Hodges last week was off five missed cuts and then shows up and, and shows out. So, you know, you never know what is exactly going to happen. The thing is though, Pat, like you said, it's likely that sort of that 7,500 and up is where the winner comes from. So you can just build your lineups around all of that and mix those guys up and not play 6K guys as a way to defend. But if, a, if those 6K guys start coming through, that's going to make for some interesting lineup constructions that you could see at the top again, and you just don't have any of those builds. So I want to spread it out and get a little more randomness as well. Adam Long is someone that's just on my radar because of his skill set. Dude hits every fairway. Was he 7,200? He's 7,200. Uh, he had a decent week at Genesis, all with just, he actually drove the ball really well, and that's essentially all he did. I saw him chip in on uh, on one <laughs> of the holes. But he's made four cuts in a row, no good finishes in the bunch of them. But he's still hitting every single fairway. And if you go back and look at his history, and sometimes it's what I like to do with course history, just to get a sense of what's going on. It's like, why has Vegas made so many cuts at this tournament versus other places? Well, Vegas is an extremely poor putter. But he's gained three out of the past four years here. He's gained, I think, six of the past eight on the green. Something like that. Like, for whatever reason, he's decent on these greens. Solid in Florida all around, which goes yeah, with he's, that. So he's and like, he's done the well with players. He's shown up like yeah. that, too. Yeah. So Long has driven the ball very poorly at this course historically, which is really atypical for him. Now, there could be different factors, the years that he played, whatever it might be. But he's currently driving the ball really well, and the irons really haven't been that good. But if you go look at him, he's never lost on approach here. He's missed two or three cuts, but when he came 27th, he gained 7.1 strokes that week on approach. Last year, he missed the cuts, cut, and in two rounds, he gained almost three strokes 
on approach. So if he can continue driving the ball this well, and there's, for whatever reason, he's very comfortable with his iron shots here, maybe you can cobble that together and get, I don't want to say a safe guy, but you know, he is a PGA Tour winner. He's someone that we like during the swing season. And he's making the cut and then doing nothing on the weekend. Maybe this is the week where he can make a few putts or something. Yeah, I don't mind it. And this is the range where you kind of want to pull those guys from, like you talked about. It just doesn't seem the ownership is going to him. There's another Adam right there, Adam Shank. There is Ben Taylor, Sig. I, I actually kind of like Ben Taylor, but do you? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's fine. He hasn't. I don't think he's seen the course before. I, think I, I used him last week. Yeah, he had a very poor Sunday. I will say this: I don't, I don't love this guy, but just to bring it up, I noticed this because I was watching it heavily. Remember the broadcast stopped and then had to come back. The round stopped and then had to come back and resume the next day. Uh, di- another Dylan for Telly. No, this guy, man, S- smelly for Telly. He missed the cut on the number last week. He had four shots within five feet to end his round last week, missed two of the putts. He needed one of them to go down. But, I mean, it wasn't like he – that's the whole point. People don't follow this stuff or watch it enough to know how shit actually went down. They just say, oh, miscut. He sucks. Like, he, he played great. It just did not get through. He didn't play great enough to make the weekend one putt from four feet away. Missed the cut on the number, lost four and a half strokes putting in two rounds. Is that what you got? That's, that's – Oh, you got you the numbers. Yeah, perfect. I, I'm just saying I know what I saw coming back, watching it on the tracker, and it was like, damn, this guy just needs to make a putt. And he could not do it. So maybe this week he makes more or does it better. Uh, Taron blew people out of the water last week. What did he shoot, 10 over? Is that what he finished at? I think so. It's funny because when you look at Hardy as well, because Hardy got a chance to come back on the course to make the cut the next morning, and I think he tripled the last hole. It was bad. But his plus five looks really bad, but you could all say outside of the one hole, because he was terrible day one, rallied back. And then with the restart, he had to go pin-seeking in order to make the cut and Mm -hmm. fucked it up. Then you just didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, people don't value that or think about it. I'm not saying you should fully, but just to point it out, you just said it. it like, that's what it always happens. This is a, this is another course, by the way, that that's going to happen to people. Down the stretch, your dude has to go for it. There's water on the right, heavy. You can be sitting in the top of a tournament and then watch it all disappear because they have to go for it to try and win the tournament, to get into it. So I uh, love those types of finishes. Not, not always the, the most fun for DFS, but uh, it makes it fun down the stretch. Webb Simpson. No. Correct. But I, see I, people, I think I deleted him off my sheet, actually. I, I see people being like, Webb Simpson. Well, yeah, it's the year of the resurgence. If it, besides Rom. Yeah, but he already had his year of the resurgence. Him and Harris English have already had the... Re- Although Harris English seems a lot closer to whatever the fuck he's doing <laughs> than what Webb Simpson does at the that moment. That is true, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's where people are going with it, right? We've seen Rose get the W. We've seen Day bounce back. Ricky's playing a lot better. Kucher's playing better. There, there's all these older guys who are sort of back in the mix. I forgot to... Or guys bring, from before. I forgot to speak on this with... Feinberg on Monday show because he's the one who threw it out to me actually told me if Rom wins look out for this is that if Rom can win the players he's essentially matched Ricky Fowler's career in the last three months yeah it doesn't surprise me <laughs> uh, it's always the <laughs> that's, same that's, thing. that's crazy to think about like for listen Ricky came top fuck what was it 10 in all the majors top five top in all five the majors in all one the majors. year like, like, Ricky's had a really good career I don't want to shit on Ricky like that but just to put it into some context for as good as Fowler was for the course of eight years or whatever, all that he accomplished in terms of winning in his career, Rom might be able to accomplish at the exact same level over three months. Yeah. Like I said, Ricky wore cool orange clothes. I loved him. Everyone loved him. He's a, a great dude. But I said this all along, too. That was the other thing. Like when um, JT and Spieth go back to full swing in the first episode, when they first came on tour, everyone's like, oh, Ricky's with them. Like Ricky wanted to hang out with them because they're actually good at fucking golf. <laughs> They want to hang out with Ricky because he's the man. It was kind of that. Ricky was, you know, an up-and-comer. People liked him. I, I liked him too. But, like, man, 
it's just not the same talent level at all. It's not even close to comparable. So Rom is just doing insane things right now. It's not going to change. We, you know, he got the nanny now. The kids are out of the way. He's all set to go. Like the, the kids are young, but he's got everything handled at home and he's handling his business on the course. I've been noticing this recently. Just a tip to anyone that is trying to get, uh, although I talked to Alex and Byron last week about like getting in to you know, doing PGA content seems to be something that more and more people are doing now. Yeah. Highly encourage it. One thing not to do is to pro tip. If you're someone who's just starting, you don't need to tag me with all your picks. That makes me not like you. <laughs> Why? It's just I find it annoying. Yeah. Like, like if I'm going like everyone that I've ended up you know, just with you, with Rick, whoever it is, I'm going to, if you're good, I'm going to come across you. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the first thing you've ever written because it's probably not very good. Yeah, I think there's and definitely then, something to that. And now you're blowing up like my notifications with like content that's probably not up to snuff. And now I just think you're terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like sending you an audition tape of your first ever audition tape. If you guys, anyone watching this remembers mine, did not work out so well. And there was a, I got a timeout for that. But that's <laughs> that's the key, though. Like I, I had done something up to that point that made you be like, all right, I should give this guy a chance. Get him on yeah, the show. Yeah, like, you just organically came up. Like it's like when me and Wiley started first working together, when me and Ben started yeah. first working together, it's like, oh, they're doing some content. People are talking about it or I'm searching around and I see it and I read it. It's like, okay, this is really good. Like, it's not like I'm not looking at other people's content. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, that show was great. I love those guys that you had on last week. Alex Osman, awesome. a story with him, he was at the DFS Open, which was here a couple years ago. They had that uh, little playoff at the stretch and me and Kenny all loaded up, sort of getting the cart. Kenny was still in a bender from the night before, <laughs> getting the cart rolled down to watch him in the playoff. I think he ended up losing at the end, but it was great to watch. He's an incredible golfer. So that was awesome. Byron's the man. Talked to him plenty, but I do it with the tidbits and Byron's been featured. Of course, like I, I look for the free stuff. I find people's, oh, now it's just like a popularity contest. You put the same guys. No, I curate the guys that are good and coming through and consistent and solid every week that people enjoy reading and say, I want that in this setup. I only do 10. It's not that I'm like handpicking. It's just those are the guys that continuously come through. Uh, Ron, I can't name all Ron, PJ Splits, uh, John, PJ Tout. Like these guys put out excellent content every week. There's many more and, and all the ones that people know. But it's like you said, when you're tagging someone in your audition tape, I'm going to look at it. I'll check it out, but it's probably not going to be your best stuff. And that's kind of the, everyone that got to somewhere or ends up doing content had to start somewhere. Yeah. And and listen, I understand the want to be able to do it. Like, Hey, I'm doing this now. I want to make this a career because I'm doing it. And like, these guys are bigger than me right now. Hey, can you like incorporate me into what you're doing? Like maybe, maybe someday, but like, it's unlikely if you've just first started doing this, that yeah, the key, the key is you're doing it. Remember, there's so many people sitting at home that's saying they wish they could do this content that won't even go turn on a camera or write an article or put anything out into the mix. So highly recommend that. I think it's a great thing to do to Pat's point. Obviously, you know, bringing the, the worst of your stuff, your first stuff is probably not the best to put a, put across your desk. When Think of the music industry. Back in the day, of course, people go to their mixtape, go to the thing, try and get it on the desk. If it's shit like they're, and they listen to it, it's going to suck. Why? Like that, you just gave your worst stuff. Hopefully you put your best stuff out and then you get it across the table. And like I said, if not, it may just come up organically. Yeah. And like, man, I grinded for like four years before anyone read any of mine. I was writing every week. No yeah. one was reading it, thank God. But <laughs> it was not great stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's the way it goes. All right. So any final thoughts on this week? I did, honestly don't think so. <laughs> it's going to, it's again, it is what it is. Not complaining about the field as much. I think you brought it up in the middle of the show. It was a great point to bring up. Is that just part of cost doing business? We like these guys. There's stuff that you can find out from something. You don't have to watch everything. You can build your lineups on Thursday night after we do the showdown show for round two. Get your lineups in and just go out with your family or go to work on Friday or and go to the gym or do whatever and just yeah. see how your lineups are doing. There's nothing you could change after they're entered. You're not required to watch every single second of it. The ratings show that on weeks that are not designated events or feature 
Tiger Woods, of yeah. course, last week. I, I just end up watching, like, if I have someone, like, in the mix towards it, and I always try to watch the end of every tournament, but, like, if I have someone on the mix on Saturday, I'm more likely to watch on Saturday. For sure. There are some Saturdays, like, I got shit to do. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. Like, there's there's a lot, there's, what, like, 30 hours of golf on every week? Yeah. Like, I and can, I, I get some people want to tilt every shot, too. It's just what they want to do. And that's, again, it's your money. That's the whole point of golf and DFS golf in general, why it's such a good sweat. You get the late cut sweat. On Thursday morning, is anyone, or sorry, late withdraw sweat. Is anybody going to get a WD after lock that I have to worry about and complain about? You get the Friday cut sweat. Hopefully you get the Sunday money sweat down the stretch, but there's a lot of good sweat equity in for your money. So do it however you want to do it. But I, I'm like you, Pat. I literally, I watch the end of the rounds for showdown. See where my guys are ending. If I'm getting anything, do I have anything in the mix? I watch Friday for the cut sweat. What's my six of six going to look like? And then on Sunday, always watching, but that's just my setup. That's my routine. I, I like the Thursday, Friday because, you know, I'm free during the afternoons on Thursday and Friday. They just flip on some PGA Tour Live, just have it on in the background. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, walk on the treadmill, watch watch some of it. <laughs> yeah, getting that cardio in. Toe Tag and Tambo on Twitter. Your tidbits are out. You can also find those in the Mayo Media newsletter, which you can sub to down in the description, runpuresports.com, and the showdown shows on Mayo Media Network through RPS as well. Yep. That's it. Yeah, get, uh, the tidbits today giving away a hundred bucks for Ooh. you know who I'll give it away randomly, Can but I retweet win? and follow. Try we got a little follower contest going on right now, so try to keep building it up. I like over it. at RPS trying to beat some of the big dogs. But yeah, if you if you hit that one up, put a hundred bucks on the table for that one, and then yeah, the shows will be back Thursday night uh, somewhere after the round ends. Again, we're back on Florida now, so should be a little bit earlier, right? We'll get the shows out. Should be earlier, and you don't have time to sleep in and then make lineups the next day. Yeah, we do. the main thing is we just want to get the shows out for you guys to have as much information as you can take away as possible. We've had really good success, especially in round two. Sure. The Thursday show is seemingly I'll, always... Well, because every Friday ends up being delayed now. Yeah, I do know that. We, we still got in last week, even though, because we were only like six or seven guys who just talked a little bit of if-then scenarios, but I uh, love doing those shows. Have, you know, helped me a ton for my own lineups and love seeing people have success. Been some good winners already this season from watching those shows. Once again, at Toe Tag and Tambo on Twitter, at the PME on Twitter for myself, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get 20% off. Run the sims.com code mayo for 10% off. All that XFL action. We're doing weeklies and monthlies over there right now, but it's a quick, like, give me some lineups and let's go. Uh, you can adjust it any way you want, but Lord knows if you know anything about the XFL. I don't. I trust the numbers and run with those. And the Listener's League is almost full, so I recommend you hit the description and go get your spot right now, okay? Experience! Week 2, XFL, DraftKings picks, props, and preview, projections, simulations, we got it all for you. You want to run your own simulations? Make it easy on yourself, that way you don't even have to watch the XFL. You can just mass enter tournaments and hopefully get to the top because the prize pool's still pretty juicy heading into week two. So go to runthesims.com to get full access to the entire suite of tools for all of DFS and props and projections. You can even customize them. Although, unless you're a very intense watcher, you probably want to stick with what's going on on the page uh, before you start making your own custom adjustments. Or hell, maybe you're a huge XFL head. I can assure you I watched like three minutes of it. So I'm just going to go with what the projections tell me on the XFL. I uh, use code Mayo too. If you want to get yourself a discount up there, um, they Justin Freeman, the co-founder with myself of run the Sims.com is on the line right now to talk about what happened in week one of the XFL and how we can now adjust what we saw moving forward, which teams are good, which teams are bad. What tendencies do a lot of these teams have? Because Justin, I think that's pretty important. Uh, trying to reflect on what happened to week one. Obviously it's not going to be a mirror image of each other of week one and week two, but I think we have a better sense of which teams like to run and which teams like to pass now. 
Yeah, we got a lot more information, Pat. Like, we'll, we'll never learn more information than we got between week one and week two. Um, and honestly, if you hadn't watched a lot of XFL, a quick plug, it's been fantastic. Like, the games have been great. Like, it's been high energy. The, the stadiums uh, are looking pretty packed. So it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, we got a lot of uh, cool information from this week. We got a, a lot of tendency uh, type of information for a lot of these teams. So rather than sort of assuming pretty vanilla across the board, we've got a lot more information like one team that stands out in a big way seattle seattle sea dragons so when you're clicking around on the seattle sea dragons that's the team that i think is going to attract a lot of fantasy interest and deservedly so this was a team that literally just like lined up and threw the ball almost every play like they were uh just complete run and shoot uh june jones type of offense matter of fact it is literally the june jones offense because june jones is the offensive coordinator but uh they they dropped back with ben Denucci and just hammered josh gordon and jaycor pearson and blake jackson over and over and over again in the passing game so i think you'll see a lot of uh ownership and deservedly so towards that type of team and we got a little confirmation on some teams that want to be a bit more old school and methodical and try to pound the ball between the tackles you saw the orlando guardians try to establish the run early um they look like a team that's going to struggle to get a lot of momentum going throughout the course of this year but overall a lot of fun uh enjoyable football to watch and uh, uh some pretty intriguing fantasy production that's what i found too like the, the parts of it that i really liked i thought that the talking through the ref challenges i thought was because the first time the xfl came around i remember i had jim ross on my show at one point and I asked him, I was like, you know, would the NFL be as good as it is right now if the XFL had never existed? He was like, no, like they, they stole our camera shots, which are just all of the camera shots that you see in the, the NFL. So I can't wait to see what the NFL steals from the XFL this time around, because that would seem part and parcel number one of what you would want to do. And also the instead of the onside kick, the the fourth and 15 conversion. I actually really like that. Oh, that's cool. Like, I mean, the onside kick just never works, right? Like, I mean, hardly ever. But the fourth and 15, it at least feels like you've got a chance and it doesn't feel like such a fluky thing that you have to get right in order to make a comeback. So we saw a team that was down two scores, scored a late touchdown, goes for fourth and 15, gets it, marches down the field and wins the game, uh, you know, sort of as time is about to expire. So really dramatic. Uh, dramatic football but you know i think also what we're seeing is a lot more just offensive competency like if you're comparing this to say other spring football iterations like the the usfl last year the usfl was really kind of slapped together with duct tape between when the draft happened of its players and when the game started like there was not a lot of time for these teams to gel and and sort of cohere together but we, we see a very different outcome here with the xfl have a full six-week training camp and the offensive look relatively crisp across the board like i thought it was much more competent uh, i think you're probably seeing a better type of quarterback play as well here in this league and so the receivers uh really outproduced my expectations the running backs seem to be stuck in quicksand for the most part across the board so uh, i think that tells us a little bit more about how we want to build moving forward i think you know utilizing you know again this is a seven-man roster spot if you're if you didn't play xfl last week so, uh, you know, you have to play at least one running back that can play up to three. Like last week, I was recommending playing three running backs based on what we saw this week. Like I would probably say no more than two, but maybe even just one running back because we're seeing a lot of explosion coming from the passing game. So definitely want to try to be a bit more aggressive on some of those receivers this time around. If you're looking for guys to kind of round out that rotation, um, you know, obviously head over to run the Sims to get the most updated projections. But even as of right now, 
Uh, some of the guys standing out in terms of proje- projections are the Seattle Sea Dragons guys I mentioned earlier, plus Deontay Burnett from Houston, who also had a great game. Jeff Bidette from the Vipers, 8,900, had a great game again last week. Sal Canella didn't find the box last week, but at 6,500, uh, looks like a real staple in the Arlington Renegades offense. So a lot of really intriguing options if you want to dig around, um, uh, really among teams that we found to be particularly pass heavy, like the the Sea Dragons and the Roughnecks. So to say, I mean, it's funny. Last week, people kind of uh, got mad at me because I've had such a disdain for the CFL over the years. You know, being Canadian, I don't like the CFL. I like the NFL. Like, why would why would you talk about the XFL and not talk about the CFL? It's like, well, if they start offering 100 k up top for the CFL, then maybe you can get me to talk about the CFL. The fact that we can win more on these games and the players get pl- players get paid in the XFL is a nice little bonus. That's what we're seeing this time around on DraftKings for week two. You don't have the 100K up top. You have the 50K up top. The first game is on Thursday, and then you have the three weekend games. So what I'm guessing DraftKings is going to do is have this $50,000 to first prize contest starting on Thursday, and then they're going to reopen a Saturday-Sunday slate. And like we saw last week, a Sunday-only slate with probably 30, 20. These are just guesses. I don't have any inside information on this. And then have a few showdown slates that are probably 10k up top 5k up top whatever it might be so there's a lot of money to go around uh, and i feel like we're in better position to capitalize on that in week two than we were in week one now obviously the people that are also running projections that are really good at this are also going to be updated at the same time so they're going to know but i felt like week one everyone was almost on an even playing field not knowing how a lot of this was going to pan out now at least um it's not 100 percent of the field who's in the dark it might be like 70% of the field who's in the dark now and only 30%. So it feels like these could really be the winning weeks as long as these prize pools stay relevant and large. Yeah. And I think if we fill this thing early here on a Thursday starts late, uh, week three starts on Saturday. So maybe we can even get that prize pool picked back up again uh, for week three. Fingers crossed on that one. But yeah, no, it, this is going to be like a tremendous information advantage week once again, um, where you find out who's actually been uh, you know, diving into the routes run and the snap data and that sort of thing. Luckily, our friends over at Pro Football Focus are charting this, helps make our lives quite a bit easier. So we've got routes information where we have a better understanding of what some of these roles look like and then you know obviously you're trying to bake in a little bit of uncertainty with what the coaches are going to do like we've seen a, a couple coaches ensure that their backup quarterback gets a little bit of work during these games so you try to figure out is that sticky or is that a one-off type of thing uh how confident can you feel about these receiver rotations you know if one guy was a starting running back did they feel like they owe the other guy a start this week you know there's a lot of things like that to try to consider because I think, you know, all of these coaches, they want to win, but they also like owe a duty to these players to get them some game film, right? Like all these guys are in the league so that they can eventually become NFL players. That's that's the goal here. So do you see, um, you know, basically like look at the San Antonio Brahmas. They started Kalen Balage last week at running back and Jacques Patrick is the backup. Well, um, both of those guys have had a few cups of coffee in the NFL and, you know, but, but Balazs was heavily featured this past week. Do they, do they switch it up and go Patrick? Um, yeah. So I think trying to think through some of those situations can be helpful, but hey, overall, this is going to be a great week to trust the projections, lean back on that and, uh, and just try to really uh, assume that the field is not going to be super efficient. So let's just play some of the best plays. So yeah, that, that was San Antonio, right? Their backfield. That's right. Yep. Yeah. 
So um, they had a, we have, I mean, in the projections right now, and these are the stuff that you can go customize at runthesims.com, you know, a 53% rushing share for Balage, uh, Jacques Patrick at 33%. It really sucked. I was about to clean up on uh, the props this week. Um, and then Josh Gordon had 20 something yards on the final drive to hit his over. And yeah. I know uh, my producer, Paul, we were talking about this on my Monday show. He lost five figures on the over because he had played like 25 separate tickets. I think Josh Gordon was tied to like 19 of them that were still pending. And just that one final drive after they get the quote unquote onside kick is yeah. what ends up sinking him. So you know, you're always going to run into bad variants. It seemed like the play was right on that but you know sometimes you don't win but it does feel like for me like prize picks is really outside of DraftKings and trying to get to the top of those pools all the other books aren't offering props on all of this and prize picks later in the week starting what is it like thursday or friday i mean for the thursday game that'll probably be a wednesday for the weekend it'll probably be a little bit more but our prize picks tool when that goes up was super accurate like i had a very good week it just wasn't the week that it could have been if that one thing doesn't happen well, I'll have to join you guys as a support group because I also got torched for five figures by the Josh Gordon thing and had some Danucci unders that just, uh, were, you know, uh, that was obvious pretty pretty quickly that that was getting torched. But, uh, man, it was so close. Like, it, it's it's so tilting when you're just riding five out of five and you, you need that sixth leg to hit to get, like, the, the crazy parlay going. Um, so that's what I had going into that last Seattle game. And uh, yeah, Danucci and Gordon had had other ideas, but there, there's a lot of edges out there, obviously, like, you know, going out there and hitting the four game slate on DraftKings, um, you know, trying to pick good contests that, that sort of fit your bankroll and that sort of thing and, and your risk level and exposure. Uh, that's one way to approach it. But I think going and hitting these prize picks lines as soon as they open is going to be a, a really big edge. So I've been over here refreshing all day, looking to see if we get anything for this Thursday game. And uh, we've got everything kind of ready to rock and roll. You know, last week we had to get things set up early in the week once they came out, but now we're ready to go. So as soon as we get those lines, uh, we'll have, you know, basically a percentage score for each bet uh, that prize picks is offering. So uh, a good, good reason to go hop in at run the Sims. We're trying to help you attack the XFL any and every way we can. Yeah, and just the markets are so inefficient for some of these other sports. If you want to find it, if you look at the screen right now, just under DFS tools, spring football, you have your optimizer, you have your simulator where you can you know, run the Sims up to 10,000 times with a, your own custom projections. Uh, but then the prize picks tool as well. Uh, code DOP for Dogger Pass Podcast. That's the official Mayo Media link. You can find that down in the description right now. It'll get you a deposit match of up to 100 bucks. So if you want to deposit 100 bucks, get 100 bucks uh, from them, and just start firing off like, you know, 25, 20, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you can use this tool pretty easily uh, to try to build up your bankroll. And I, we were one player away from winning it all last week. And hopefully we can kind of figure that out. Before I let you go, I do want to hop over to DraftKingsSportsBook.com for a moment uh, to take a look at some of these games on the slate and just kind of give me the quick rundown on each of these teams. Uh, Cause you kind of mentioned that Seattle, a very pass heavy team, Orlando, a very run heavy team. What are like the two things about each of these teams that we should probably know uh, which ones to target, which ones to stay away from that kind of thing, because I, there's going to be inevitably be like two really shitty teams in this league that we just want nothing to do with. And there's probably two teams that we just want to overstack each and every week. But are they run heavy? Are they pass heavy? What do we need to know about these teams? 
For sure. Yeah, let's start with uh, the Thursday game. St. Louis Battlehawks at Seattle Sea Dragons. That spreads at two and a half right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, where the Sea Dragons are favored at home. Um, obviously, they will be playing in Seattle. They're coming from D.C., so they, they've got a little bit of a haul here and a short week to do it on. Uh, but really, you could say the same thing for the Battlehawks, who, who just got done playing in Texas. But 36 and a half is the over-under. That's the number that catches my eye. I think the Sea Dragons are just going to torch offensively. Like, they're going to light up the scoreboard. Their defense is a little bit susceptible as well. So uh, we didn't see a lot offensively from the Battlehawks. They really kind of just tried to um, – they, they kind of seemed stuck in mud for, for much of the, the game this past weekend. But I think the Sea Dragons could hit this over all by themselves. Like, they're that good offensively. Um, I expect uh, so. That's my favorite bet there on the on the Seattle game. Uh, moving on to the the Saturday game, Defenders at Vipers. Uh, so this game will be in Vegas. Vegas is favored by three. The total sitting at thirty six and a half. Now this is a interesting sort of uh, game from quarterback reasons, where Luis Perez played relatively well for large parts of the game for the Vipers last week. However, through had like, uh, I think it was either two or three, really, I think he had two pick sixes in that game. So uh, a lot of costly turnovers. So we may see the Vipers roll out Brett Hundley. Yes, that Brett Hundley, the, the one from the Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals. He may get the start at quarterback. That's still TBD at the moment. But overall, like I like the defenders. They seem to kind of find their identity. They're late in that game. They're plus 135 on the money line. But I think I would just take the three points at minus 110 but uh yeah no, it seems like that should be a, a pretty pretty close game in my in my book so with san antonio this just seems like a team we want to fade in dfs right yeah i think so other than maybe the running back position because they certainly did try to establish the run really throughout that game and even um saw kalen balage uh mix in in the passing game I believe he topped 10 percent uh targets there for his team. So I think Kalen Balazs is the one guy I'd have circled and say, hey, we could go back there again. Uh, they do have one receiver named Landon Akers, who I think is viable to use as well. But as I look at this game, 38 and a half points is the total. Loving the under there because uh, these are two of the sort of least potent offenses in the league, and yet they have the second highest game total uh, between the two of them. So really liking the under there of 38 and a half. And the last game, Arlington and Houston, um, was it Drew? Drew Pitt was terrible, right? And Kyle Solder probably should have come in. Yeah, you know, like Slit was, he took some sacks and he just looked a little bit mediocre, just never really got the team into scoring position uh, as much as he should have. Houston looked great. Uh, I think they could just boat race Arlington um, unless Arlington makes some really significant upgrades. So I don't mind them at the minus four and giving up those points. Because uh, Houston really boat raced Orlando last week. Not that that's necessarily saying much, but the number that I would feel most confident in is the 40, you know, 40 point total. I like the over there. I see it's already bet up to minus 125, but maybe if that, you know, rolls over a half a point or something like that, I think they could clear this total pretty easily. And this is funny. This is like a different song than I was singing last week where I thought the unders across the board were, were, all sort of locks but what you're seeing is you know that one two and three point conversion plus the uh, ability for the 
uh, onside kick replacement. There's going to be some more scoring uh, here in this league. So I, I like the over 40 there. Um, I think Houston's offense is fantastic. And it could have been even better last week, but they just simply didn't need it because the game got a little sideways for Orlando. So, yeah, I love the uh, over of 40 points there for Houston Arlington. And I believe it is Houston who has, is it Max Borgie? Is he the guy? He's the guy. Yeah. Like, who, who the guy. Yeah. Yeah, who would be the uh, like if there's three running backs to try to target uh, this week? Because uh, if you, it just seemed like if you would make four carries, like that was their max on some of these teams. Like uh, yeah. per run, the Sims, Brian Hill, Balage, Borgie, and Devon Smith seem to be the four best in terms of projections, along with Abram Smith. But are there like two or three that you really like? Yeah, I, and what's funny about Borgie is he's just behind those guys in projections at the moment, and the, the really tough thing on him is he didn't run a lot of routes, and I, I can't quite tell whether that was on purpose or not, but um, you know, the game got a little bit sideways, as I mentioned. He wasn't, uh, he didn't get a ton of snaps uh, throughout the second half of that game, so it could have been they were just trying to take it a little bit easy on him, but he has a tremendous ceiling in offense that should score a ton of points uh, and, and has at least shown some willingness to run the football but yeah, I think uh, Kalen Balage is probably the guy that I will come back to again, just given the amount of role and the willingness to go to the running backs there. Gets a pretty sweet matchup against Orlando. So I think San Antonio could get out to an early lead and try to hold off. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, you know, Balage definitely sort of catches my eye there at 7,100. Okay. The, the last one I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, you know, perennial spring league football hero, Jordan Tamau. He got taken out or he got hurt towards the end of the game. They started playing this guy, Derek King, who seemed like he ran over everybody. Yeah, it's funny. Derek King, he kind of has like a little bit of wiggle, like uh, like a Lamar Jackson type where he just seems to want to get out in space. Um, he, he was very one dimensional in this game. I'm sure uh, if he gets a little bit of extended run, we'll see him throw the ball a little bit more than he happened to in this game. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Derek King mix in as the starting quarterback here in this game, uh, he he gave the team a little bit of uh, you know excitement and juice. I think towards the second half, as they made their pretty epic comeback there uh, at home in that game. I don't know if you watched that one, Pat, but I mean no. the environment there in DC was unbelievable. Fans were throwing lemons on the field at the officials and stuff like that. It was it was really wild. So I, I think that would be sort of like if we find out later in the week because that's the Saturday game that King is going to be the starter for dc he seems like a very intriguing fantasy player from a DraftKings perspective absolutely yeah he um he's the type of guy that could break the slate at quarterback where they're in a, in a league where there's simply not a lot of that we don't see a ton of rushing quarterbacks across the board guys that are capable of getting into 30 by mixing in a combination of rushing touchdowns and and passing touchdowns uh that just is not a very common skill set uh, among this group of quarterbacks King obviously brings that. He just brings with him also a lot of role uncertainty for right now. So we're definitely going to wait on the news before we feel confident firing him up. So would that lead you to, let's say you're playing that four game slate. Would you not use it? I mean, because Danucci and the Seattle passing stack seems like it's going to be super popular this week and probably super effective. Would you not use that Seattle stack with the quarterback in the hope of maybe King gets a start on Saturday and you can just use him. And if not, maybe you can pivot on to Houston as your stack in the very last game. Cause it seems from what you're saying, like passing attack wise, Houston and Seattle are the two where you want to be. 
That's a good point. Um, I would I would try to mix in Danucci with some of those builds. So if you're playing three lineups, I would definitely play at least one Danucci lineup in there. And uh, yeah, maybe you can hold off on the other two and they become Silver's lineups if you don't get any info on Derek King uh, by Saturday. But yeah, if we don't get info, I don't think there's really um, a viable path for playing him in any format outside of showdown. Yeah, and some of these showdown slates aren't. Uh, I mean, if that's a, that's a one game on Saturday and the two on Sunday, we might actually get a pretty nice showdown prize pool for the Saturday game. So something to keep in mind on that as well. Justin, thank you. RunTheSims.com is where you can access all this information. I'm sure, like you said, you're already waiting on the prize picks feeds to drop down. Again, code DOP to get that deposit match of up to 100 bucks. You can find the link down in the description. But uh, I'm excited for this. I mean, I'm not excited to watch it, really. Although you kind of sold me on it a little bit. But you know, I'm going to no- convince you to watch it one of these days, Pat. It, it actually, like, comparatively to what we've seen in the past from Spring Leagues, was fantastic. It was it, you, it was a 10 out of 10 opening weekend from the XFL. Uh, I would recommend You'll have to find it on FX or wherever it is now. But uh, the ESPN broadcast was slick. They had their A-teams working. I thought it was great. And now that West Coast golf is over and we're on to East Coast golf, I'm not just occupied with golf during the evening. So maybe I will throw that on, catch it on at least Thursday night and and see if it's my taste. It's hard, too, because the NFL has such a huge advantage on a Sunday because they're running eight games at once. So if one of the games sucks, you just don't watch it. You watch one of the other ones. But think about how often everyone complains about the Island games and the primetime games in the NFL, that they're just fucking boring. Um, And that didn't seem to be the case with these Island games in the XFL, which is a huge benefit for the league. Yeah, exactly. I don't know whether that'll stand the test of time throughout the course of the whole season, but three or four games, three of them were fantastic so far. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Reminder to smash the like, sub to the channel, and become a sub at runthesims.com. Code Mayo for that 10% off. There are weekly and monthly packages up there right now. If you just want to use them for the props on prize picks, then go nuts. Like This can be very profitable if we're doing it properly. We're that close in week one. So hopefully week two, with the more information, we can actually lay the, lay the hammer down and, and go fill all of our pockets up with cash. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.